On this podcast, two young travelers, Alex Dethrow and Jesse Lanier, will be going on a journey to find the greatest cinematic treasures. Each week, they spin the wheel of fate and allow destiny to decide whether the next few hours will be filled with genius and wonder or boredom and mediocrity. Our heroes hope to unbury hidden gems and share the discoveries with the world through humble conversations and maybe, if they're lucky, better themselves along the way. So welcome, one and all, to The Movie Quest. episode, baby, and boy, do we have a doozy for you. Uh, this was my choice this week, Alex, that's my name, and that's Jesse, who's, on, who's I'm Jesse. the other guy, and uh, <laughs> um, this is a, so I picked uh, a film called Knowing, which was released in 2009, and stars uh, America's Sweetheart, Nicholas Cage, and mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, that's no one calls him that. He's not America's sweetheart. I would say he's probably. Oh, I thought American. you were going to say no one. No one calls him Nick Cage. Like, what do they call no, him? No, no one calls him America's sweetheart. <laughs> <laughs> I would say I think he, he's America's crazy uncle. Let's say that. Yeah, um, that's pretty good. Yeah, yeah the weird, like the weird uncle at parties. Who's always he's kind of like kind of respected, but also not really part of the main group. Right. He sometimes is and then sometimes isn't, you know? Right. He falls, he's got, he ends and flows. Right now, I'm <laughs> saying he's in it. He's in, he's in yeah. it. He's behaving well. Call he's, him, he ends and it. flows. Yeah, he's in it. But li- listen, right a- actually, right after this film, Dark Age, forget Cage. 2010 is Dark Age, forget Cage. He's not in a lot of <laughs> notable films. But again, yeah. well... At the end of twenty times, like Mandy and Joe came out, so I guess I guess it was like right. it was like it was like the beginning of the twenty times was like, Where's Nick Cage? But I guess he's, he's back though. He's back now, baby, and he's starring in big budget movies again, which is pretty cool to see, you know. Um Yeah, what tell, a weird revival. Yeah, that happens with people. Remember the the uh the reconnaissance of Matthew McConaughey. Remember and, Oh dude, yeah. In 2014, he had Dallas Buyers Club, which he won the Oscar for. Right, which that was a huge switch Tucker, in his career. True yeah, Tucker, that was crazy. One, and then Interstellar came out later that year. So he had like, also crazy. So talk about yeah. a fucking renaissance of an actor, you know? Um, yeah. Kind of, you know, uh, yeah, I mean, that happens a lot. You know, actors, like, rely on themselves. But they're good. You know, people like Nick Cage and actors like Hannah Hale, they get the right roles. And like, oh yeah, I forgot how good this guy was. Oh shit! Yeah, um, actors, actors kind of have unlike the benefit of writers, which is it's really hard to write a great original thing. But you're in control of your writing. Hopefully, if you yeah. don't have a producer who gets in, if you're an well, actor, you, you, there's a certain de- yeah. <laughs> there's a certain degree of trust that has to go into yeah. like getting a good role and performance. Speaking you know? of writers. I support the actors and the writers in this goddamn Fuck strike. Yeah. Uh, Holy crap. 
It's all those post-apocalyptic out there in Hollywood. Some of these uh, evil billionaire like Bob Iger and Ted Sarandos and David Zaslav and all these fucking goose nozzles. Uh, very disheartening what some of the things are saying about the strike. And this is, I, I like to keep my, you know, I want to be optimistic. Let's hope that there's a strike or a uh, deal broken for residuals for streaming so these people can, you know, live off of their yeah. art and why Hollywood and L.A. was fucking created in the first place. Um, so hopefully that gets resolved and these people can work and we can start making good things again. Uh, because all of Hollywood is shut down right now. Like no one's thinking anything. Um, and I just, I hope things get resolved. But you're right, yeah, like, it's, uh, yeah, actors are interesting because it's, uh, it's, it's really about the role that you get, right? It's like, it's very right. much like, uh, you know, and also, like, uh, why the actors are striking, uh, again, is because a lot, most actors, working actors, tons of credits, right? And, uh, tons and tons of credits, and how they make a living is the residuals off those comes of credits, a commercial, right. an episode of TV, like uh, a movie, God, you know, the Holy Grail is a star in some successful movie, fucking, fuck yeah, residual checks are going to be big for that one, you know, get a lot of work on that one, I'm getting paid for that work, but streaming doesn't have that, which is absolutely fucking insane, meaning your favorite Netflix show, like fucking, I don't know, you know, um, Stranger Things, you have, let's say, not the lead, anyone in the lead act, the leading cast, who play, how about the plays that plays like Wong, you know? She's in all the episodes, yeah. small role. Right. She gets paid probably, I don't know, $300 uh, every month for the yeah. number one goddamn fucking show on Netflix. Uh, I don't even know if she would get paid with the current standing of things. Like, I don't know if residuals even exist for Netflix they and streaming do, saw, services. They do. They're that small. Uh, they're that gotcha. small. They're um, negligible they're, in terms they, of you, their you existence. You can't live off of them. They're, they're completely... Uh, which is absurd because of how popular that show is. That should... Right. You know, um, well, anyway. The, the other thing... The other double-dicking about that situation, just to belabor uh, an important point in history, uh, is is the fact that not only do you not get paid for your residuals, but also the initial people don't buy <laughs> shows and movies anymore. So you don't even get like box office money because that has right. like shrunken so much. Right. And then because it's gotten so competitive and weird, like your initial paycheck is probably also a lot smaller than what mm-hmm. it used to be in the past. So yeah. it's like it's not it's it's just like all there's no money anymore that's yeah, going right. to the people who make it, and it's just going. To, you know, uh, the vultures up top. And make, you know, tens of millions of dollars a year and are making these insane fucking claims. Like, I don't know what they're... And they're saying this on their <laughs> fucking <laughs> private so jets mad. out in the fucking... Go fuck yourself, Bob Iger. Jesus Christ. That, that interview that I saw of him was... Uh, made me want to beat him up with a baseball bat. So, uh... Yeah. So evil? Like, I mean... It was like a movie. I was like, this is like an evil man. It's like an evil, greedy fucking piece of shit. And what's crazy right. is like, it's the transparency of being a piece of shit that is blowing me away. It's like, dude, you can't give yeah. up, you know, 
it would cost, there's like, I, I don't, I'm gonna get too into it, but there's, you look at, like, someone actually did the calculations for each of these major companies like Disney, Universal, whatever others, they did the calculations of, like, how much it would cost per year to, uh, satisfy the writers and the actors. It's like fucking pocket change to these motherfucking corporations. And the fact that they just yeah. don't, aren't doing it because they're greedy fucking bastards is insane. It's insane. Yeah. And so it's I'm really, happy it's, it's, it's really, happening. it's really upsetting. I mean, it's one of those things where it's, I'm really glad that the actors are striking now too, yeah. because that, I mean, they're, they're, they're the face of movies, right? The, the writers yeah. might do more important work sometimes. Yeah. Uh, they do a big part of the work that is unseen and not as appreciated as much as the actors, but the actor striking is going to be a big well, it, deal it in making things happen, home. which is much, much appreciated. Yeah, good. 100%. Because you can replace writers with no-name writers, yeah, right. but you can't replace actors in yeah. show. They're they're irreplaceable. Yeah, they're, you can't do that. Yeah, you can't. What are you going to do? Uh, AI, then? You know, that's a conversation that's been going around. That, right. You know, the threat of AI and how, especially these background artists who yeah, are... extremely disturbing. You know, ...who want to, you know... I think it's Disney that, like, you know, wants to, like, stand background artists and, like, give them, like, a fucking flat rate for their fucking likeness and put them in the back of the fucking... It's it's dystopian and crazy, and I just... I really hope things change. And I think they will change. It's just about how long it's going to last. And, um... Right. That's going to be fascinating. Yeah, yeah. It's it's just sad that the way that you have to do it with like in the strike situation is that everyone has to stop and put yeah. their livelihoods on the line. Uh, exactly. Uh, right. To a point which I mean, it's gotten to this point because it's like, well, I could work, but it's not really that much better than just not working for a little yeah. while. To be honest. Well, um, what's good is like you know how you know there's uh, there's you know obviously big big actors who made tons of money like Mark Ruffalo, Bob Odenkirk, like all these actors are striking and they're helping fund, you know, there's a fund to keep some of these, you know, writers and actors afloat, like, during, you know, the strike and stuff like that. So it's nice to see that. It's nice to see, like, you know, not, you know, that there are good people who are also striking, who are helping others in need, lesser people of their, of their union, because it is a, uh, it's a collective thing, and that's, like, beautiful to see, you know, that this collective thing that's happening, and, and, um, I just, I hope that there is some resolve. I do think, and I've always had this theory, like, you know, when you start reading about Netflix and how much money they spend a year and how much little they, they get a profit, I think what's happening too is like, I'm, I'm going to give the CEOs a little bit of the benefit of doubt because I'm, I'm trying to justify them being such outward pieces of shit. And I think it might be because they might not genuinely be able to afford it in the sense of streaming and, like, what it takes to... I don't know exactly the numbers of what it takes to keep these streaming services alive. And I don't I don't know. There might be some drastic fucking things that happens with streaming and... Um, the uh, the amount of content, for example, that is that is made on a on a Netflix, for example, there were eight hundred right. new Netflix shows last year. 
eight. Oh my god. Hungry. Oh my god. Yeah, I read that. And I was like, what in the flying <laughs> fuck? I was like, blown away by that. Jesus Christ. So, I haven't even heard of one. I haven't even watched one. 800. Jesus Christ. That's so many hours. A new Netflix show. I mean, that's all around the world. Um, which is, it's still okay. fucking absurd. 800 shit. That's fucking insane. But I'm saying it's not all American. It's, you know, it's like, that okay. would be That makes a little bit but, more sense. Yeah, that it's makes all around the world. But it's still, there's 800 new seasons of television, like, that no one's heard of, you know? There's the majority so of them, no one's fucking heard of. Um, yeah. Because there's, my buddy made a great point, is that they're not, they're tech companies. And they're operating like tech companies. They're not operating like a, um, like Hollywood did, you know, when the, when the strike happened in 1960, for example. It was, uh, you know, Hollywood were, you know, the, that the result of was residuals, you know, and this thing that kept, keeps L.A. alive, why L.A. is like a place for people to go because you can make a living being a writer or being an artist right. out there. Right, right, that, right. Was the, that was the conception, was the conception of the place, you know? And so for streaming to almost like not uh, follow through on that, they're just tech companies. They're not thinking about artists, which is completely fucked up. And right. um, they're not thinking about the people that build their goddamn platform. And it's uh, really disheartening. I just hope that uh something happens and i think it will happen right. we just we'll just see what will happen you know but right what's well, uh, the big the big thing i think is the the reminder of a strike like this is the idea of it's like you can treat me people will deal put up with a lot of shit for a dream and for things that they love but to a certain point humans will not respond in the way of just doing tasks like a machine input no. output because they have emotions <laughs> <laughs> well, and also, they, like, they want they, to live life. Well, they can't. Like they used to. The thing is, like they used to be able to live a life. Like they used to be able to live off of you know their work. And like now, like a writer just came out. Like you know, a writer on like one of the biggest shows right now, The Bear, is fucking unbelievable. And the season two, he wrote one of the best episodes of season two, and he's. He was working below the poverty line. It's like, what did we do? Like, wow. and that show has made God knows how much fucking money for Disney and Hulu right. and like all well, well, this. It's just like that's that's, the that's that's all we're asking. That's all that's, that's all the we're nail asking. In the coffin. It'd, it'd be a different situation if history was saying that movies don't make money anymore. Period. But that's not the case. The case Hell is no. that the, the the money that shows and stuff is more than ever in existence times like 10 it's exactly. crazy how much money is being made yeah, uh, from the these... wealth or greedy fucking bitches that's literally all right. it comes down to is that right which <laughs> so the money the money is there but like to your point about you know it being complicated about actually being able to pay that it's like i'm sure that's true like money's always complicated it's not like someone can just easily write yeah. a blank check and I'm, there's a certain degree of that being purposely made complicated yeah for that very reason well, the, of that they can't just write a check and pay the other people, thing but... is like a lot of these things because they operate like tech companies a lot of these companies like netflix don't actually have like cash right they have it's all right. in stock it's all in right. stock and investments and so why they pump out all these things is to keep investors 
happy. It's all just tech corporate business shit. Like, they don't care about what's being made, who's making these things. It's just like, it needs to change. And right. hopefully it will change. Um, yeah. And whatever has to happen, has to happen. Uh, the DJ has to go on strike. You know, fucking everybody just fucking just fuck you, you know? Yeah. Who knows? Hopefully it'll, it'll happen. But anyway, um, that's yeah. a pretty An important, major, major important detour. thing happening in Hollywood right now that's, uh, that hasn't happened since 1960. Both actors and writers have, have gone on strike. So it's a pretty historical moment. And it's, I, I'm sure that, you know, 15 years from now, we're going to look at this moment as a big turning point in how things are made, the amount of things that are made, what's being made, string things yeah. that are going to collapse, if people are going to go under, if things are going to change, revert back to, you know, the 1980s where you know, not as much content is being made, and it's more focused on, I mean, who knows what's going to happen. Um, I Which, really honestly, no with, with the factor, I think that if, if that's what happened, I think everyone honestly would be happier. So we have less choices, because having I, all the I choices so, in the yeah. world, honestly, not, I don't like it. I, I want less no, choices. Like Give me yeah. three. Yeah. I like three. I don't need 800. I need three. Yeah. And I'll still have trouble choosing which one I watch. Yeah, I don't, I don't like it either, and I think, um, <laughs> I mean, that's a whole other kind of work, but it's interesting to see, even, like, the box office, like, this year has been, like, absolutely fascinating to, to watch, because it's just, yeah. things are bombing that were projected not to bomb, things are being successful yeah. that were not yeah, to be successful, it's, you know, it's, it's showing that I think audiences, especially movie-going audiences, what quality and they're they they're i think it's easier to sniff out bullshit right i think for audiences it's just getting easier and easier for audience members to not be tricked into going to see like the flash you know for example you know which yeah it, like is um interesting to see you know and uh and I think even, like, we were talking before the podcast, like, the, the Oppenheimer and Barbie thing, I think it's going to be absolutely fascinating to see that unfold and see how well those movies do. Because they're both projecting to be big box office uh, things. And this Barbenheimer thing is a, is amazing for, for movies. Like, it's incredible. It's two big movies made by auteur filmmakers that are coming out at the yeah. same weekend. And yeah. that's, yeah, there's, the meaning of it is that they're, they can't be more different, right? It's one's about right. the creation <laughs> of the comic bomb, they're like Christopher Nolan, and, you know, you know and then the other's Barbie, you know, uh, which is funny, you know, it's funny, but it's actually, I think, more important than that. And I think it's um, going to be a really interesting see how that shapes up. You know how that plays out because if that, I don't know, if that becomes like really successful and both of these do super well, I think there's gonna be a shift and like, oh, maybe people do care about filmmakers and you know, auteur <laughs> filmmakers and like, and it's even showing that that like is the case. And you know, it's like very, you know, there's few, but people like Greta Gerwig, for example, who is almost like this up and coming auteur. And that movie doing well, she's gonna and a woman first of all, but being like just in the forefront of that movie doing so well, that would just be that would just be good. That would just be good 
for for Sheng in general for that reason if you get Hell yeah. Sheng is Oakenheimer. Oakenheimer, sure, Christopher Nolan, the biggest filmmaker, you know, uh, probably of the last 21st century, you know. But that movie, again, is a big budget movie that doesn't have any, it's just like a really fascinating, true story that he wants to tell on this giant, but I mean, the biggest scale you possibly can, like, shooting on 70-millimeter IMAX film, and it's a character study about the guy who created the Atom Bomb, like, that's, that's cinema, like, that's fucking, that's like <laughs> fucking, that's the shit, like, you kidding me? Yeah. That's awesome. So, and like, you know, I'm, I'm definitely a Nolan fan, and I'm excited to see it, so, because he does not fuck around when it comes to, like, movie-going experiences, so you have that also, so, I don't know. I'm just excited about it, but it's weird. You look at the streaming world, and you look at the box office world, it's, it literally is two different worlds right now. I mean, it's two mm-hmm. completely mm-hmm. different worlds, which is just, like, really fascinating. But anyway, that doesn't really segue that much into the movie that we're going to talk about today, um, which is called uh, Knowing, and yeah. I picked it. Well, I guess it's similar because it's about the end of the world, I guess. <laughs> but, uh, it's like, yeah, actually, that is kind of a, a, a bizarre connection. Um, apocalyptic vibes. Apocalyptic vibes. Um, and <laughs> I, so this was in my watch list, and I honestly can't tell you why. Uh, I think I, I might have, have like... There might have been some kind of... Okay, this is the only reason that I can think. When I was... I'm going to remind, if you're younger than 18, or even 18 listening to this podcast, there was this thing called video stores. And what you would do is you'd walk into a video <laughs> store, and there would be DVDs or Blu-rays, and then you'd pick them up, and then you'd go... Physical hey, ones that I you could touch. Them. And then I'd be like, hey, can I rent this? And you're like, yeah, bring it back in two days. Six bucks. Like, all right. <laughs> cool. And when I was <laughs> young, this came out in 2009. So, video stores were still around. I had a video store that I would go to for a while. It wasn't fully digital yet. It was, I remember you still order movies on, like, cable. That was, like, the early stages of, you know, ordering things online and stuff like that. But it was still very physical. It was still very, like, people around the DVDs and stuff like that. And... This is this was one of those movies that you walk into like a Target or something or a video store and there are like four hundred copies, you know, of this movie <laughs> and like just Nicholas Cage's big fat head on the cover and just like this weird yeah. earth like on fire. I just like knew of it. And I like I was always just like fascinated by like watching it. Cause it's one of those like movies where you're like it's like in 2009, it's very well possible that everybody had a copy of Knowing. They just had never watched yeah. it, you know? Like, <laughs> yeah, it's right. just like one of those type things. And it's also, On your shelf, yeah. collecting dust. And also, I'm a big Nicholas Cage fan. I love Nicholas Cage, and I just think he's one of the most like, exciting right. and fun actors to watch on screen. So like, I watch a Nicholas Cage star movie. So I guess it was on my watch list for that reason i guess i wonder i wonder if it's this because the way i came across knowing and it's been on my radar is that it's a famous uh roger ebert review have you you know about i was gonna gonna get into i was gonna get into like the response of it 
after, yeah, after that, yeah. Because that's that's definitely that was my <laughs> guess of how you came across it. Because that's yeah. how I how I heard of the movie. Uh, but yeah, you can you can go into talking about that because I think that that's a fascinating yeah. review so this movie, in history. So this, I didn't read the full thing. Uh, I'm sure if you read the full thing, you might have better understanding of like what he thought of this movie. But so this was like so this was like in 2009, and it's directed by Alex Price, who if you don't know Alex Price, he directed like The Crow and Dark City and uh, this movie called iRobot that was part of my childhood. I, think I like iRobot. I haven't watched it in years, but that was one of those movies that I watched so much as a kid. iRobot right. just like fucking, I like broke the DVD. I watched it so much. Just, that's that's one of those that everyone kid in our generation, I think their parents had totally. a copy of that in their Absolutely. apartment. It's just a cool, it's a cool movie. And then little Alex like, AI, robots, what? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, but also, I just, <laughs> Even like as an adult, I love the look of that movie. I think the, the look of it is very cool. And it's actually one of Will Smith's, remember him? Remember him, guys? Amazing movie star. I forget about him. But he was an amazing movie star. One of the best movie stars of the 2000s and mm-hmm. the 90s. And that was like a big movie star vehicle for him. He's cool as fuck in that movie. He's like a fucking, like you know, cool detective that's like, fuck technology, and he's just Will Smith, and he's cool, and he lives in like a, you know, really shitty apartment, doesn't like adapting any of the technology, and, you know, mm-hmm. it's, it's mm-hmm. just cool shit, that movie. He plays, he plays a, he plays a boomer. Yeah, but like a cool boomer. Like, a dude yeah. like, not about <laughs> this new robot technology, and, but he has a cool trench coat, leather trench coat, it's just cool. Uh, and, but I haven't seen that movie in years. I haven't seen it years. Um, so, I don't know. Maybe if I watch it today, I'm like, wow, this is not good. Uh, but I loved I it, when I, when it, I well. loved it when I was 12. Um, and so, that's the, that's the only Alex Price movie I've seen. I've seen Dark the City Crow, is, is awesome. Or, Dark City yeah, is I know really Dark awesome. City has a big cult following. Also, The Crow has a big cult following. I also, also like The Crow. I'm a big fan of The Crow. So, I haven't seen those movies. Um, this is the only experience I had was... Is our own. But iRobot was a big success. So, mm-hmm. uh, he, he and a, a bunch of writers got together, and this script was like circulating Hollywood for a while. And uh, he was, uh, who made this? I think it was yeah, Columbia, gave him $50 million to make this movie. And it's nice. Nicholas Cage and Rose Byrne. And is. A movie that when it came out got very, uh, I would just say negative reviews. It got like yeah. 34%. Uh, people didn't really seem to really like it very much. It did well at the box office, though. Um, it grossed. Oh, that's you know, interesting. Close people to, came out. Yeah, people came out for it. And I could, I could, I could probably, I probably have a, uh, I probably know why, because this is, it was also in 2009. Disaster movies were fucking popping. Right. They were popping yeah, yeah. around this time. That was the thing. Yeah. Like, literally, I think 2012, that piece of shit came out a year later. And then you had, like, Day After Tomorrow, which like, came out, like, a year before this. Rolling out record, those, like, like, those big yeah, disaster right, right. movies. So, I think it kind of, like, got, I'm sure, I haven't seen any of the marketing, but I'm sure it was, like, marketed as, like, the, you know, the next big disaster movie, you know, starring Nicholas yeah, Cage sure. and stuff like that. And, um, 
it, 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 yeah, they're like two hundred million dollars in the theaters, but it made thirty million dollars in the DVD sales. So it was a pretty big, it was a pretty successful movie in two thousand nine. But critically mm-hmm. pegged, not a lot of people liked it. But like you were saying, Roger Ebert, who died in two thousand twelve. Uh, loved this movie. He gave it like four out of four stars, his highest rating he yeah. possibly did. And it is like the highest critic rating, like by far. Like, like yeah. all his contemporaries, he is like, he was just like all in. He was like all completely in. Completely outnumbered. Um, <laughs> yeah, yeah completely. Like, all, like, you look at all the, like, all the major, his contemporaries entirely, all were like mediocre to bad, you know? Um, oh, yeah. Reviews. And, um what this is a this is a wacky fucking movie. Um yeah. and I enjoyed it. There <laughs> there's definitely I liked it. I definitely like I was a reviewer, I, I would say I liked this movie. I liked it. But yeah. I definitely it is definitely flawed and there are parts of this movie that I find really pretty corny and pretty goofy. And, yeah. But in a fun science fiction, just like wacky time. Like I, I think that for the most part, I, I would say like two thirds of the movie, I was pretty in. I was like, this is good. Like I was like, this is right. intriguing. The third act, <laughs> dude. I was like, whoa. I mean, they like fucking pressed a nuke button and just blew up this movie. Um, but so. uh so it's intriguing in that way. And I also think Alf Price, really good, like, visual director. Like, there's, you know, there's, mm-hmm. a, there's a few sequences in this movie that I just would say flat out rip uh, that are just uh, really good. Uh, but I also noticed in the credits that, you know, I'm, I'm, you know, I've been listening to Christopher Nolan. You're one of those these. people. Looks I've been like listening credits. to. Christopher Nolan interviews and talking about Oppenheimer and his career and stuff like that. And he mentioned this guy, Andrew Jackson, who his his visual effects supervisor on Tenet, Dunkirk. I think he first started working with him on, on Interstellar. And he's the visual effects supervisor for this movie, which I thought was, I was like, oh shit. I just like, happened to hear his name because I was listening to a podcast with that's interesting. Nolan. I thought the visual effects in Nolan had no business being as good as it as it was. In I was really movie. surprised for yeah, 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 knowing exactly. to be yeah. as good. As right, it exactly. Is. Yeah. That, I think that's the. I mean, that guy. I mean, Nolan. I mean, Tenet. I I I'm like I don't know how they're doing this shit. I mean, it's so yeah. incredible. And Very Dunker, He's incredibly obviously. Oh, he worked on Mad Max also. Period. He's obviously incredibly fucking talented when it comes to practical and like visual effects, you know. And um, and yeah, I was stunned at some of the 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 sequences of this movie that legit just I thought ripped that were just incredibly exciting. Yeah, fun agreed. to look at. Parts of them were you know goofy and corny, but part of that I think is just the major issue I have with this movie, like super wrongly. This movie takes itself really seriously, and there are parts of it where I'm like, "We this there needs to be some kind of levity to it," because like there are just parts of this that are just so absurd, and it just takes so takes it so seriously that you sometimes just are like rolling your eyes, kind of just like how serious this movie is, and this like absurd plot. Um, but for the most part, like I 
and sorry for that, I thought these views pretty pretty cool. And uh, really cool ideas. And I'm not saying the third act of it, this is, I was looking up, is the most talked about thing in this movie, is the third act of mm-hmm. like how it, wrap, how it wraps up and kind of like a lot of the kind of out of nowhere kind of things that kind of happen towards the end of the movie and kind of uh, some corny allegorical things that are in it and things like that. But right. what uh, I do will say is I admire kind of like the the goofy or the kind of like hardcore sci-fi thing of this movie where it is very like um you know it's a very like broad concept and they i don't i don't necessarily love the direction that they, they went with it but it's definitely interesting I, i'm excited to talk about it because it's definitely like an interesting story and an interesting idea you know for for a movie Agreed. like this um yeah i just wish it maybe I wish it really didn't lean into its uh, Hollywood disaster movie tendencies at the end, which right. I thought kind of oh, yeah, interesting. negated a lot of like what made the movie cool in the first place. Um, right. But yeah, I mean, like, I was like expecting to like not, because this movie's Peg, you know, very, I wouldn't say Peg, but it's definitely mostly negative reviews. Responses. I mean, I, I think you. I think if you saw, it. if you see it on the list, it's going to be listed as one of the worst movies ever made for sure. Which yeah. I think that's, that that's uh, insane. I don't believe that at all. I, I mean, worst. I think I, I don't agree with it either because yeah. I, I I really agree with you. Where I for me, I thought I was really absorbed in this movie for yeah. like the first two thirds, no, and I, agree I think with you, that. Yeah. The third act is very striking, but obviously terribly flawed in terms of warping the story in a way that doesn't right. really work and isn't that compelling. And also just not being a very nuanced, like no. shoving Christianity <laughs> yeah. down your throat, yeah. which is going to be polarizing in an increasingly yes. less and less I also was Christian that. society. Even like halfway through the movie, like before all the kind of the more allegorical things started happening, I did was like, oh yeah, I can kind of see why there are some audiences who really did not like this movie. Because this movie is kind of about this idea of almost coincidence and like things, like the world just like happened, you know, at random. Yeah. Which is a very, you know, not what a lot of people think. Especially in America, yeah. you know? Um, so it's kind of like, um, you see this, there's another fucking movie that came out that was kind of like... Uh, At this time or recently? I want to say it was around the same time that was kind of like, had the same response, like a anti not I want to call this like an anti-religion movie or anything like that, but it's definitely like questioning those ideals, right? Or, or I would, I would actually like say that, that the... The reason why the ending kind of rubs me the wrong way is because it kind of sets up like a scientist it, character and at the end yeah. says it's anti-science. Exactly, it's saying it's right. actually right, right, like right, right, it was exactly. actually Jesus right, and God exactly, who made that. Right. Which it's like I'm not I'm all for that debate because it's sure. a very mysterious yeah. question. You right. know, it's a very interesting it's the no, it's the philosophical question of all of our lifetimes, but this was not eloquently done, <laughs> I think, in this. Well, in there's this movie. also I think there are there are some pretty big like what the fuck like there's some characters right that, that make really dumb decisions like for example you're like what the fuck like it's, like right. just, especially I thought Nicholas Cage was fine in this movie he's 
Well, I honest, I really enjoyed him, to be honest. Yeah, I mean, yeah. he's a really good locker. Well, yeah. But it wasn't like, it's not wild at heart. You no, know, it's no, not fucking. It's not, it's it's not, not like this. I wouldn't say that this is one of his, you know, but he's so close. He's a really likable guy. This was around the time when he was doing kind of like, I wouldn't say boring news, but kind of boring roles. Like he was in this, right. and he was in like, God in 60 seconds, and then he made like a movie called like, Bangkok Dangerous. He tried to be like this action star for a while, like in the, in the yeah. 2000s, and it just didn't really... He just kind of comes off as like generic white guy type of thing, right? Uh, and, but he's a good actor, so he's able to kind of like carry some of the absurd dialogue in this movie and kind of like make you like buy into right. it, you know? Um, so well, he's well, good at the movie, but the other thing that's bizarre about knowing is also it has this weird like so bad it's good quality yes, to it, like part, underneath yes. it. There's parts of it that I, are very funny. It, it's kind of paradoxical to me because it has like this craftsmanship to it, which I genuinely right. like, where I was genuinely very pulled into the story and yeah. the movie. Yeah, I and, agree. But you can look at it and you can see some of the really janky dialogue holding it together yeah. and like the <laughs> yeah. bizarreness of certain situations. Right. And right. it's like, that wasn't very gracefully done. Yeah. Uh, but <laughs> yeah. I think... But then, like, then the Nick Cage factor for me kicks in, right. where he's so weird that the way he just does things just kind of makes me laugh and fascinates yeah, there, me. There's a couple of really then... funny moments, like acting choices that he does. Like, there's the one that made me laugh pretty hard is like he sees, uh, and we'll get it. There's, I want to talk about this movie because it's, it's interesting to talk about. But there's a scene where the first time I think he sees, I'm going to call them the sun aliens. That's what I'm gonna call him. <laughs> the sun yeah. aliens that are like tracking his son, and he sees him outside, and he runs outside with a baseball bat, and he's like, he's like, and he sees him run away or whatever, and he gets the baseball. Like, you want some of this? And then like hits the fucking tree. The tree. So <laughs> like so funny. Um, like that shit was funny. They're like, yeah, the manic stuff is, you know, that, that's what I love about Nicholas Cage. It's he definitely like dials it down to like something like a wicker man that actually came out like a year later and that's that was another funny. movie that kind of led to his downfall uh that movie is real bad uh but it's not like a wicker man when he like gets manic and it's like he he definitely it's like alex Perez kind of i think kind of like dialed it down a little bit so you don't get like full manic fucking nicholas cage or anything like that but right. you do get those moments you're like yeah it's, there he is. Yeah, <laughs> for sure. I love him. Yeah. But, yeah. But, you know who um, I did not think, this is my point, is who I did not think worked in this movie was Roseburn. I thought... Mm, interesting. And I don't know if it's her or the dialogue she has to deliver. I just... There was something about... Maybe it's because Roseburn, I know her as a great comedic actress. She's in... Bridesmaids, Neighbors, she's kind of primarily known for comedy now. It's mm-hmm. a family. She's a very good, a very good actress, very funny actor. Yeah. She just didn't, I just did not buy their chemistry in this movie. I didn't really, I don't know, it was towards the end when she was like, on the phone, and, or, or with him, and like having these like really intense, 
like send the children like, like shit okay like that. okay and that, that is scene like is amazing for all the wrong reasons no, yeah, i love yeah, yeah, that yeah. scene it's yeah. hilarious it's but hilarious. you're you're so right about I that i just don't yeah. think she works very well i think it's just this casting i don't think it was yeah. like a problem with her but I, I, I don't disagree at all. I didn't really mind her that yeah. much, though. Um, yeah. I think I agree with the chemistry point where, like, the, the love thing didn't it's really... Not, it didn't... Listen, it's not Zoe Deschanel and Mark Wahlberg in the happening, okay? It's not right. that bad. <laughs> it's, just, it's just not great, you know? I feel like I feel like more so uh, I, the the circumstances were believable for me. She wasn't like the most compelling yeah. character yeah, or yeah, the yeah. compelling performance, right. but she was a vessel for the circ mm -hmm. the, the interesting circumstances to kind of the work through me. But I don't, I don't I don't I don't I don't I don't agree with that. I don't disagree with that yeah. at all. I think that they probably also could have found. Kids. Yeah, that's all. <laughs> <laughs> Although that there were parts of that like even when you first meet his son, I'm like, what is going on? Like I mean the way even when just when they meet each other, it's like or you meet the kid, like the things that he's saying is kinda of like what the fuck? It's yeah, such it's a all... weird weird way, like the weird dialogue that the kid that he has. which is which is interesting because that's part of like the vibe of the movie that right. I like and makes right. it feel less generic to me, but I don't yeah. think it's what it's, he was exactly, going for. Right, right. No, yeah, I agree with you. I think, like, it's uh, it's definitely, like, like I said, the first two thirds, I was in it. I was in. I, I was, yeah. like, fully in. I was like, this is cool. I love how it opened. This is an adventure. Yeah. Yeah, I love how it opened. I love the, you know, I was always intrigued. And I was always, and I was always, always like, paid off, too. I was like, oh, wow. Cool way to go. It's just, I just was disappointed by almost, like, I predicted it, and I also was like, Damn, I really wish we could just go here because it just felt yeah like generic, but but in a funny way also. Like the last shot, I mean, was so funny. Like I was like, this is, yeah. I mean, really? Yeah, like, that was <laughs> that was kind of a crazy thing about the ending, where because I I 100 had the same experience where it's like when they revealed that they were angel aliens, yeah. and you were like, <laughs> okay, yeah, sure, uh, and then angel aliens, the whole yeah, world shot aliens. The, the world gets destroyed, and right. then we're in the Garden of Eden on an alien planet, which was like, I didn't see that coming. That was completely no, out of left I field. I was like, when they reveal that they're, like, on this planet, they're like, oh, my God, are they Adam and Eve? And then they, like, turn out, and then they see the tree, and I'm like, oh, oh yeah. my God. I'm like, this yeah. is... And I also, <laughs> with that, part of that why I didn't like that either, is that I, maybe, maybe I missed something, I was pretty intense. I, I don't know why they were the chosen ones. Are there even is there right. even a reason that they're the chosen ones? Right. You know? I, I don't I don't think I don't think there is. I think they were just I think they were just Santa Claus on the good list, you know? They conference. Okay. But what's weird about that is they lead years. you to believe well, I guess the okay, actually maybe the reasoning is that he's the one that got the letter in the first place, you know, who was, and you know, when he gets the letter of the numbers that, you know, uh, Lucinda, you know, put the time capsule, and when he receives it, he gets, like, this feedback, you know, this hearing aid. So maybe, like, there's some kind of, like, cosmic connection to this letter right. and the, you know, and then, but, the, but uh, her daughter, Abby, I guess the connection is that she was the the granddaughter of, but that doesn't explain why 
I think I think well, the symbology, my interpretation of it with the kids specifically, is is tied to the idea of like chosen ones and fate from like religion. So it's not yeah, so much about yeah. something they did or a logic. It was right. just the fact that they were the good people who were going to save the race, chosen by right. our higher right. power. Yeah, like there's right. something in these kids that we can't see because we are sinners, right. you know. Right. That but they they are going to save us. So they go they go with the right. the alien angels right. up to up to the sky. And yeah, Nick Cage, sure. even Nick Cage, he's left behind. I don't think there's, I don't think there's, expo- I, personally, I don't think there's good explanation for it, which is yeah, part of what right. makes the movie right. weak in the end. Yeah. Well, okay, wait, I kind of want to call it out the beginning of it, because I thought there was some yeah, cool things. Yeah, I really the like the opening. Oh, the opening of it. Yeah, I actually really like it. So, uh, the, the teacher's like, hey, we're going to, well, first we meet this kid. And she's weird, right? She's like... She's a little strange. She's strange, like, what, what's going on here? And then the teacher's like, hey, we're going to draw something and put it in the time capsule. And she almost, like, gets this, like, urge to write all these fucking numbers down, right? Like, on a piece of paper, and they put it in the time capsule. And then one of the things that I, that I wrote down that I liked about the imagery of lowering the time capsule into the ground, they're always, like, lowering it like a bomb, which I thought was pretty cool. Like, yeah, just like uh, the, yeah, yeah. The, uh, the imagery of that, like, the vote, you know, like, obviously, Oppenheimer who walks, you know, the you know, footage of people making nuclear bombs. It looks yeah, very similar, a, yeah. but also, like, the way that they're lowering that. I just thought that was cool. Uh, For sure. That's a cool thematic visual. And no. then, you know, and then it's just weird. She's like, where's Lou? And then they find her in the fucking, uh, this just was, like, hard. This was just sick. So they find her in the basement, and she's covered in blood, and she had written something on the wall, like, these numbers on the wall, and then the flashlight, like, transitions to the sun, and then we get the, I was like, that's, that was a hard, that was a hard transition. Yeah. I was like, I'm in! I'm like, I'm fucking in, dude. That was awesome. I know, yeah. Which it's a great opening too because it feels uh, so like movie in a good way. Yeah, you know, it's, it's like it's it's setting up something. It's mysterious. It's it's weird. It's like and it's set in the past. So you're like, oh, well, we really don't know what this means. Or it's intriguing scene to set the movie up. You know. But but it's all uh, yeah, and and all those questions are like just really propel you into it because right, you want right. to figure out like what's happening. Yeah, what are these numbers, um, dude? What is this what, fucking code she's writing down? I, I found it the other thing about this movie in this this opening the feeling that I got from it was like very like Saturday morning fun type totally, of thing yeah, like totally, when I entered yeah, into that right. which is another thing that I don't feel like I have a lot of movies that I feel that way totally, for yeah, modern stuff right, that comes out right uh, because like like this is a fun blockbuster movie that's different than sort of just you know mass produced schlock you yeah, know right. it's it's a it's a fun movie that isn't is absurd. Yeah. But it's still fun, and you're, like, engaged yeah, it, with it. It's it like, well, let's, like let's, let's go. It's, Adventure. It's, it's well-directed. It's, it's better-directed than the, the contemporaries at the time, like something like, you know, 2012, you know, which is kind right. of the similar idea of this movie that is basically about, you know, coincidence, the lion calendar, sort of the world could end in 2012. That's more of a movie that is about the disaster, so it's more about just, like, a... It's just like a bad um, special effects movie at the end of the day. Right, um, right. That's just about John Cusack and his family driving away from an insane-looking flood that just looks so unrealistic <laughs> and stupid. Yeah. <laughs> um, and, like, you know, I that's a genre of movie that I really 
just, I don't know what it is. I just don't, I don't know. I don't really respond to disaster movies. I can't really think of mm-hmm. a, a disaster movie that, like, I was like, yeah, I'm into that, you know? Um, but Sharknado? That's true. Sharknado, <laughs> it's pretty good. I'm, I'm just, just going to get, like, the world-ending ones, you know? Absolutely. Where they're like, it's just like the stakes of them are so almost, like, too big that it's, like, hard to, like, get into a movie, some kind of, like, a movie like that. And I'm not saying it can work. I can think of, like, but knowing, my point of knowing is that there is, like, a... I wasn't prepared for the disaster aspect of this movie. I kind of, like, the first two-thirds of it, like, were kind of this, like, fascinating thing. Like, all these coincidences, all these tragedies are happening, all these things that he's finding, these codes. He's yeah. getting kind of mad. It's kind of like the science fiction movie. I'm like, oh, cool. Like, it's going to lead to something where he stops a tragedy or, or something like that. But it gets too big. It's like... No, this was like the the sun is gonna radiate a fucking big massive blast. It's like, yeah, that is fun. That is very fun. And, and like you were saying, like Saturday morning cartoon. But there's just parts of it that I wish leaned into that almost. Because there's parts of it that that take itself seriously. Like yeah. when there's just like scenes where they like go to her mom's house and there's all this like serious Oh, she was looking at all this allegorical stuff. Like, it's fun. It's fun. I just wish it was like... I guess I just was like... I wish we leaned into kind of a more like the goofiness of it, you know? But you are right. Like, I, I definitely feel that there is that kind of attempt at like a vibe like that, you know? I, 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 well, I found it interesting because I, I had the same experience when you were saying that you that you it, the, the disaster aspect kind of sneaks up a little bit which is an interesting thing about it that i i am thinking about now because that is a pretty cool thing where you don't yeah. it, it does really start more of like a I, I thought of it more almost like a detective thing where you're like kind right, of solving exactly, like right. figuring out a mystery yeah. and putting together clues yeah which is a very fun. satisfying but archetype also, to me i really like that type too, of movie when the clues happen those are the best things in the movie when the when the, the plane crash Dude, that was yeah, epic. That was great. That was fucking <laughs> epic. And the train so, was brutal. I mean, I thought what John does was one of the dumbest things you possibly could do. He watches a play crowd, and then he's like, I'm going to go run right I know, like, I thought, dude, dude, like, why are you doing, doing that? Um, but <laughs> that scene, though, like, isolated without clicking the stupid character decision was really well done. It was horrifying. Yeah. It was... Uh, yeah, I was like, I look, is this movie R right? It's PG thirteen. I feel like they got crazy. away with a lot. Uh yeah. There's people like like on fire and just like insane and the train I'm sequences. Really surprised. People just getting run over by a tra- I like, thought that was really brutal. All, that was yeah, like as fuck. But it's just like reminding me of the fucking um the scene in the animated uh Yeah Invincible. Invincible. Yeah, uh, yeah, dude. But yeah. uh I love, I also just saw Mission Impossible Dead Reckoning, which is, you know, which rips, obviously. But there's a train sequence in that movie that is unbelievable. Like a, like a fucking insane train crash sequence. So, like, I just love trains. I just love trains crashing. I just They're love, cinematic. it's such an awesome, uh, yeah. it's so cool. But 
the plane crash, I love how it was shot. It looked so real. It was like uh, that long shot of him watching the fucking plane. Like, just, it was so epic. It was so epic. Um, yeah, it but was. that was so satisfying because you're leading to these clues, and then while he's in the car, he realizes the the numbers in between the events are longitude and latitude, and he's like, "Oh shit!" And then it happens. It's so satisfying, you know. Same with the train thing where he finds out where it is, he goes to the train. It actually happens, and you get like this satisfying action sequence. And sure, it kind of is a little strange because so many people die and there's yeah. not that much uh that was, i think i was reading several of you that I, I, I agree with where it was like on the wikipedia page where it was like like after the truth like after i don't even god knows how many people died and that insane train crash it's like yeah the the the, the movie doesn't reverberate after at, off of that you know this like terrible tragedy it's almost like a spectacle, you know? It's like, look at this, but it's like not thinking about like what just fucking happened, you know? Like he, he, and also the weighing, it should have weighed down on John a little bit. Uh, and it kind of did, but not to the extent where I think it was a little, if they were going for something a little more believable, that he would like almost just like, cause it made me laugh because like, you're led to believe like, after the train sequence, we're like, yeah, that was yesterday. You're like, Jesus, yeah. like, that was yesterday? <laughs> like, that's, <laughs> wow, like, you recovered from this pretty quickly, watching yeah. this insane train, like, you like you watch hundreds of people get mowed down by a train, and you're like, there's one scene of him in the, in the shower, like, oh, that was rough. And then he's like back yeah. to, you know, all right, we'll figure out. Like, you know, okay. But, but, you know, that's like the blockbuster movie shit, you know? Like, right, which is, which is interesting because that is a problem that I have with a lot of movies like this. Yeah, but right, I didn't right. feel that way with this type of movie, yeah. even though it's still like a problem with it. That's yeah. which is really interesting to me. Yeah. Um, well, yeah, and I, I think mean, it's I think a, the, the vibe of it is like, it's a. Uh, it's it's fun. It doesn't really. I think what it. I think what it does. Like it doesn't really bother me in the grand scheme of things. It's just more of like a laugh. I was just laughing at it. I wasn't like annoyed by it. It's just kind of like. But the sequences are so good that they're kind of they're entertaining. They're popcorn fun. Like they're well directed fun scenes. Like they're you know. But if you look at it as a macro sense, like what what I'm saying is like. Right, yeah, so like, that's, you know what I mean? Like, right. that's crazy. Well, yeah, but I you're think, allowed I think to you, enjoy it, you know, for, I just, think, for I what think it you, is. I, th I think you said it because the, the, the distinction about it is that when we're, when we're looking at it, like, from a character perspective, it's like, yeah, yeah there's not a lot of depth to his character. He no. doesn't really get affected by things that much. But it was the execution of, like, oh, that like train scene as, that, yeah, right. as an action scene and right. sort of the writing and how that right. was visually written. Right. I think was really well done, yeah. you know, well about done, how yeah. how it was revealed and twisted and the surprise sure. at the end, yeah. and then and then the sort of cause and effect, which yeah. is absurd. The cause and effect that follows that, yeah. is absurd. I that he was a but it gets the ball rolling thief. for me. Did you get that? He was a, yeah, like the guy who's chasing is stealing DVDs. I'm like, oh, that's me in a few yeah. years. Seriously, what was the scene? What was the transition from the train scene to the following scene? I'm curious now. Do you <laughs> he, like, remember? Goes, 
Hog and like his sister's like I his think that's what a he's weird saying. character. Yeah. Well the family in general is just weird. Like well, yeah. his relationship with his dad. That was one of the goofiest things in the movie when he finally calls his dad and they have like the weirdest conversation. He's like, yeah. I have a prophecy for you, Dad. I haven't talked to you in, like, 20 years, but this right. is what, you know, like, it's so, so strange. Um, that should have been more like a moment in the movie that this character hasn't talked to his dad in 20 years, but it was, like, not even, it was just like, yeah, I haven't talked to you in a while, but, like, I think the world's gonna end. And it's just like, right. and then there's just a weird scene. Um, that was kind but, of like a, the and then weird, the at weird... the end, it tries to, like, make you almost, like, be like, I don't know what the feeling that they want you to feel at the end when he like embraces his family while the the uh, the world well, is so, being destroyed. Right. So <laughs> here's here's the thing about like talking about the goods and the bads of this of this movie because which is becoming clear to me now as we start picking this apart because <laughs> with this train scene specifically and talking about John's character. Like, they did the attempt of setting up the subplot where it's, like, this conflict of, like, is it random or is there purpose right. behind it? Right, right, Which, right, So, Nick Cage is the, the non-believer who, by the right. end, becomes the believer. Becomes the believer, The yeah, problem right. with, yeah. with the movie is that that arc doesn't work at all because that subplot is not relatable. Yeah. It's not interesting in the slightest. It's relatable, yeah, that's a good point. It's, yeah, but, it's, it's, yeah. It's completely, it's completely inauthentic, but, yeah. you know, Nick Cage is present as sort of as like this, this vessel for crazy things and like his, his wonder and his moment to moment acting right, right, right. carries yeah, the carries rest you. of it. Yeah, it carries it. But it, the problem is, you. is that the good stuff is the two thirds is propelling the movie. And then they're like, all right, let's switch to this, you know, this subplot, this character point that we, we set up earlier, yeah. but you didn't really set it up because well, those were all the points that didn't movie. work. Right. <laughs> it, turns out, it turns into an alien movie. You're like, oh, okay. <laughs> like, and like, you know, I, like, this is fun. I mean, this movie is, like, a, a fun, you know, I, I did find it fun because the choices are, are so absurd and they're so funny. But there is, like, a, a, a you know, a steady hand behind the camera, you know, that's like, you know, I thought the aliens looked really cool. I loved how they, up, like yeah, they awesome. were well, like really the, cool design for the you know, ship. Crystallized thing. I thought it was really cool. Um, yeah, it's just also the rocks. I don't really understand the rocks. Um, <laughs> that was that was pretty that. random. Maybe that's maybe someone who knows were, history. Well, I guess they the were Bible. kind of like trying to get him to go to that place because remember, like when the when the ship like all those rocks lift up and they're the they're the rocks are the that was the way the aliens be like, hey, go where these rocks are. Which is right. an absurd way to... Uh, <laughs> but, you could use your yeah. words, alien. If you're a higher being, you could communicate with language, you think, but also they're not talking, just rocks. They're whispering to each other. They're talking to each other. Because at the end, they're like, they communicate with him. You know, telepathically. Or the kid. I guess just yeah, the kid, the though. Because yeah. Nick, Cage, Nick, Nick Cage can't hear. He's a, he's a yeah. sinner. Um, yeah. But actually, that, that makes me think of a, uh, uh, another another weird element about it. Because the aliens, before they become the Jesus aliens, are actually a pretty interesting they're awesome. like, yeah, they're X really factor cool. yeah. beginning in the I earlier the, parts. The, the, it's like the horror element, uh, which is right. very fun. And I like the imagery. I like the nightmare sequence, which was really cool. And they, like, did, uh, you know, uh, Todd, I think is his name. Or, or, is it Todd? 
His kid? Todd? I think it's... <laughs> is, is the kid's name Todd? <laughs> That's a really funny name. I mean, I all Todd's it... had to be kids once, but you don't imagine a kid named Todd. Yeah, that's a bad name. Uh, Caleb. It's Caleb, I think. Why did I think it was Todd? I have no idea. It's not even... You're not even close to being close, of my man. Of course it's Caleb. He screams Caleb like a hundred times. Caleb, like... Caleb! Caleb! That was a really good impression of Nick Cage screaming But, uh... But, uh... Yeah, but I like the nightmare sequence when they, like, gave him, like, he sees, like, the, all the animals, like, burning up and all the, the a moose, like, comes out of the forest, yeah. like, on fire and shit. That was cool. Um, and I like that stuff. But, yeah, when it's revealed, like, like, I laughed so hard when he finds the alien and he's like, who are you? And he has the gun and he opens his mouth and he's just like, burst like a beam of light in his eyes like oh and it's like yeah whoa it's like really <laughs> like, you know like aliens um which like i was like thinking that they were in the whole movie but i kind of wanted them to i don't know what i wanted them to be but um but it was weird because they look like humans so it's kind of like a right. weird um take on a on an alien i guess it's kind of interesting well okay they, so you're 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 yeah. getting at another another aspect of why the third act was so disappointing for me because yeah. that like experience of like the light shining through because right. this movie in the beginning had did a, such a good job of defying my expectations and making yeah, right. it unpredictable yeah. and exciting. So when you see that scene with the light, it was really exciting for me because it's like my first thought is like, oh, maybe it's going to be an alien and like this god thing, like this Deus Ex Machina stuff. Right. But He's been defying my expectations this whole time, mm -hmm. so now I'm excited to see what he's actually going to do right. with these weird characters in the background. Yeah, right. And it was really disappointing that when it didn't just, yeah, turn right. into something else, because right. that's that's what you wanted it to be. It's like, I don't know what I wanted it to well, be, weird, but for like, the whole other movie, he's been giving me what I wanted it without is, me knowing what I wanted. Which is cool, because it ties into the movie itself, because the movie is about this idea of randomness and coincidence, mm -hmm. and the idea of unpredictability uh, being in a movie about almost uh, this guy being able to predict something um, is an interesting thing, you know, like it makes the movie work pretty well because it's like, it's, uh, it's just an interesting feeling because the, the movie is about predictability in a way um, and about kind of like these people who, you know, it's really a movie about like conspiracy theorists also in a way. Um, the yeah. things, which I really <laughs> enjoy, and those people exist. You know, there's people like that are seeing patterns and numbers. Forget the name, what it's called. But there are people who see patterns and numbers and see, you know, and get caught up in things like this. So there's kind of a part of it that is kind of fun, yeah, rooted in reality a little bit, which is fun, you know. Um, so that's what I like so much about the two thirds. Him just like, you know, the scene where he's like, I. I laughed, but it was like an awesome laugh. Like I was like, "Oh my god!" When he circle, when he first circles nine eleven, <laughs> in like two thousand one, I was like, "I wrote." I think I wrote down in my notes, "This is a nine eleven movie." <laughs> and I was like, "Dude, dude yes!" Dude, this is so funny. Like, this motherfucker's like, looking up nine eleven. He's googling nine <laughs> eleven. <laughs> He really did that. Yeah. On the big screen. <laughs> so funny. What is this strange, <laughs> eclectic date? 
Well, I better like, look it up on my Kimball God of God 11, 2,655. And it's like, oh my God. And then it's like all these disasters, which is fun. Uh, and I love how the kids played that. He seemed like yeah. he didn't really care that much. Like, in the, in the initial thing, like, he was just like, he was so drunk that he was like, oh, interesting. Yeah. <laughs> like, like, yeah. Listen, <laughs> Like, I would be freaking out. Like, if I found out, like, all these patterns are real, I'd be like, oh, my God, I'd be freaking the fuck out. He seemed pretty yeah. chill about it. Um, but when he went to Ben Mendelsohn, I loved that scene, too. You always love, I always love movies like this, like conspiracy movies, when the conspiracy, and there's a lot to this that Nick Cage's character that was so funny, because he is an insane person, you know, to a lot yeah. of, to the majority of the people in the movie. And when he goes to Ben Mendelsohn and he's like, no, do you understand? There's all the, you know, these are all events. And, the, and Ben Mendelsohn's like, go fuck yourself, dude. And then he's yes. like, <laughs> and then he's like convinced. But it like makes you kind of believe in it. You're like, oh shit, this is kind of real. This guy is also buying into it also. So yeah. that part of the movie actually generally like works. And there's also like, I think, a pretty interesting thing. I didn't really go through with this kind of, but that his wife died of like one of these tragedies. Right. It kind of gives it a little bit of more of like a motive that he has to maybe like kind of really figure this out. You know, if you, you know, it's like the idea of like, if, you know, if you um, have a loved one that is lost in, you know, an accident or something or murdered in some way, like finding. The, the person or, or something, right. you know, the, the thing that, you know, um, uh, caused it. So I thought that was pretty interesting part of that, that character too, you know? Yeah, th that, that's another thing where I think it was a bit of a, a lackluster quality of the character development, where it's an idea yeah. that in theory works on the page. I'm it not against really, that idea, but it, yeah. doesn't, it doesn't resonate. It doesn't really no, work that well really in practice of the film. all the way with it. Um, the, yeah, there's there's yeah, so many scenes the, the, that are so funny. Well, when he, sorry, when he calls, when he, like, finds out that the train, he, like, goes about it in, like, one of the dumbest ways I've ever seen a character, <laughs> but he calls somebody on the he phone, the and he's like, hey, this is gonna happen, I'm gonna go, 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 bye. and then he gets there, and he's like, why is it this podcast, like, dude, what are you, it's so funny. I also love the the other thing with his his crazy logic is the scene when he first meets the woman, uh, and he's like trying Diana. to explain the situation, yeah, ex like eloquently, yeah. and he does this pretty smart idea of you know like cornering her, oh, like, like the, with the, like the kids yeah, and stuff, yeah, yeah. and you're like, oh, it's like okay, that he has a funny. plan about that. He's yeah. gonna do this gently. This is gonna be eloquent, right. and then at one point he's just like, fuck all this setup. All right, your 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 mom was a wizard. Yeah. She could she could hear the future, and uh, you're gonna have to tell me every detail about your mom that you're yeah. you've left cut out of your life. I know, and I love how like yeah, that character I just I said earlier didn't really work for me. And there's like a big decision she made to the end where I was like, that was just stupid. Where she it's just like for some reason, like all of this has happened. She's like all in. It's like, yeah, I believe you, this is real. And then he brings home the, the door, which is hilarious. <laughs> he, like, takes the door off the, the school, and he, like, runs in with the door, and he starts, like, fucking, 
getting the numbers. But for some reason, Diana was like, no, that's the moment that she got wigged out and then took the pins. Like, why is this wigging you out? Yeah. Everything else before wasn't wigging you out? Like, what? I don't understand. Like, she just caused this problem, you know, we're just taking his son. And it's like, dude, why did you do that? And then, yeah. It's just like, that was a bad, I don't I didn't get that decision. I was like, why? I would, I, I actually was more in the headspace of that decision. But I don't have a strong argument for it. I think you have a stronger argument for it. But for me, I was more in caught up in that because of the reveal of like it was like on a national scale reveal yeah. that there was a solar flare that was going to end the oh, world. Sure, so she yeah, was like right. legitimately Hysteria. panicked and trying to find Hysteria. so not logically right. thinking, which it's also yeah. so there a moment of doubt. Right. It's so it's it's testing your faith that right. moment right there. Yeah, right. She got panicked. She lost her resolve. Yeah. You know, she lost her faith. I think it's also her performance. I go out. Buy into it also. It's just like unbelievable. We have to leave. What are you doing? <laughs> Like, I just wait. <laughs> just getting the fucking numbers <laughs> off the goddamn dude. Uh, but it's just, it's, <laughs> but, that was uh, a really funny. That uh, that's another really weird scene. It's weird to me. Oh, yeah. For me, I was actually pretty in that moment. As yeah. hilarious as it yeah, is, like, it's so funny. I really, I, I mean, I'm not saying it's, it's so bizarre. Corny or bad or anything. I think. I honestly think, like, I, I, you know me as a movie watcher, I, I don't really believe in the idea of, well, I don't know how to phrase this, cheesy mm-hmm. or corny. You know, I read a tweet the other day that I resonated with really well, where it was like, somebody calling something cheesy or corny, and it was like, yeah, dude, embrace it. You know, it's almost like, embrace, like, yeah, like, just be in it, you know? Like, just be in the... Like, just have fun. Like, the cheesiest corner of a single movie. Right. Like, I'm not saying, like, like, that doesn't bother me as long as, like, the movie is, like, satisfying on a story level, you know? And, like, right. the tone of it, like, doesn't That's bother me, you know? I don't need, like, movies to have, like, a, you know, a specific tone, you know? This movie has a right. really, like we were saying, like, an odd tone to it, but, like, a funny and fun tone to it. I just don't think it's that serious. You know, it's just like, just have fun. Like, yeah, it's just stupid. It's silly, right. but it's like, which, have fun. Which, if they, if, they, if they acknowledge that, I think you might be onto something about if they acknowledge that about the movie, they might have yeah. been able to ease, you know, tweak something movie, out yeah, a little bit more. Ask you to be like, it's like, appreciate the is like, me as cinema. Yeah, like, Jesus <laughs> movie. It's like, dude, yeah. this is a dumb like well-made well-crafted science fiction movie and then you just almost like nuked it you know and like in some you know uh way i mean i like the idea of the solar thing i thought that was pretty cool yeah like, i like that too yeah, it was like that's fucking sick where it was like um you know this idea that the sun's gonna like emit this fucking <laughs> and also the image they look at is so funny when they like Uranus, Mars, and Earth, and then you see the... It's like, this would have wiped out three planets? Like, fuck, dude. It's like, almost like, the Death Star in, like, real time. It, like, it reminded me, like, in real life context, it reminded me of, like, uh, one of the funniest scenes in any Star Wars movie is, like, in The Force Awakens, when they, like, are all around the... the, uh... Oh, the console, at, yeah. <laughs> they're looking the at the Death Star, console? and they're like, now this is the Death Star. 
Yeah. And this is Star Killer Base. It's like this giant, it's like the size of this is like it can destroy five planets at once. You're like, oh my <laughs> god. You know, and it's just funny. Goofy, I like it. It's fun, goofy, and like an awesome science fiction concept where you're like, you can make, I'm, listen, I'm dumb. I don't, know, I don't know if that can actually happen. But you're like, yeah, that can, that can happen. Yeah. I, just, I feel I, like the movie backs enough. Right? Yeah. Like that threat is enough. Like you don't need to have this like, but at the end of the, but at the same time, part of, again, what's like kind of cool about the first two thirds is that the, these aliens are trying to predict or warn humans in some way. Really, absolutely bizarre way to do it. It's almost like yeah. they're dumber than humans in some way. If you really wanted to warn us, I feel like there's a better way to do this. Yeah. <laughs> but, uh, but the, when it was fun, the idea of, like, you know, choosing these people to, like, encode them with, like, this code. And, yeah. like, I guess the idea is, like, choosing those kids, they have the code for the next 50 years, maybe. Because, like, he was writing down fervently a code. We don't know what that meant, you know? Right. Um, but... I don't really know why that was a thing because the world was going to end anyway. So why? Good why point. Why it? keep recording the history what's, of the world? Yeah. What's the new code? What is it? Oh. Yeah. <laughs> Still well, ashes. Yeah, so, no <laughs> life here. There's a lot of you know holes <laughs> in the in the in the science fiction plot, but there's you know the majority of broad science fiction concepts have holes like this because they're you know, they're not real. Like, they're based in, you know, fantasy, you know? Right, so, right. Um, well, that's, a, that's actually, yeah. that's that's another interesting point that you're getting me thinking about because it's not so much, because people are saying this movie is bad, I think, for the wrong reasons, right? Because it's not sure. those elements that are bad what about are, it. I agree with you. That they, that they, what is the main reason that people thought this was bad? Was it the end I think it's, kind of the... I, I, I think it's just that John, uh, Nick Cage, John Cage, Nick Cage is uh, yeah. a strange leading role who is he's, <laughs> yeah. he's kind of weird. And his character's kind of blah. Oh, right. just okay, sure. And true, the ending, yeah. the third act is yeah. fucking whack. Right. Which is right, like right. that's true too. I agree yeah. with both those points. Um yeah. but you know, they go I think they go a little bit more because but I think the reason why the reason why this film kind of feels so dissatisfying or is kind of frustrating, for, it's not because yeah. of the cheesy science fiction stuff. I love yeah. all those elements and you right. can get away with a lot. There's a lot of movies that are great. That yeah. people love that get away with the same kind it's, of ridiculousness. It's the it's the almost like the hubris of the movie that thinks it's uh, smarter than it is in some way, right? right? Or, or something and, like that. Yeah. And for me, it's also about the fact where basically you get this movie that sets you up with this treasure map. It's like X marks the spot. Yeah. Which and is it's fun like, as hell. Okay. and it's like you're yeah. trying to go and get you're trying to go to this buried treasure. You're gonna get right. a pot of gold, and you're working through it. And by the ending, it's like you do all this work, you dig up, and you get open, crack open right. your treasure chest, and it's like a box of like moldy dildos. And it's yeah. like this sucks. This is yeah. not the treasure that I yeah, wanted. Right. I love the adventure. It's like sure, maybe it was friendship yeah. all the way. Maybe that's what matters. <laughs> but I still now have to deal with these moldy dildos that I didn't really want in the there, first place. There were like a couple shocking decisions <laughs> that I thought were pretty cool. Like when Rose Bird got and I was like, holy shit. Like, she, like, <laughs> that was dramatic. Like, so, it's funny, but also like, 
there are parts where I'm like, this is terrible. I mean, like, the action <laughs> of it yeah. is really, like, horrifying. Like, all the action yeah. scenes. That's again, like, l- listen, it is a total mess because, like, these hor- he is, God is witnessing horrific things. Like, yeah. he's seen some <laughs> shit and he's treating it like he just watched a couple people die, you know. So, or, and there's one scene that made me laugh where he was like, they tried to like make him like have some kind of trauma. And he was Is this like, after I, the plane crash and he's talking yeah, to Yeah, he's like, I saw the burning faces. He's like, oh, yeah, yeah, it's rough. He's like, oh, we watched it. It was, it was rough. But it's weird because it is truly horrifying. Like, those scenes are yeah. scary. Like, they're not fun to watch. Um, and that's the weird, uh, almost like conundrum of the movies. Like, I found those scenes pretty scary. Like, there was like. Yeah, like genuinely. Yeah, genuinely scary. I agree. And then the, it's like, he's <laughs> looking and watching and be like, it's the wrong. Like, this guy, <laughs> like, this that was horrible. Yeah. And then, like, see guys in a horrific way. Yeah, it's really brutal. And then, like, they are, like, resuscitating her. And then they're like, is she going to live? Like, Jesus. Like, her kid is just out there. Like, what? Like, dude. Her kid gets kidnapped, and then she gets blown over by a truck. Like, holy shit. And then she's, like, resuscitated, and then she just walks it, and then she just dies. Jesus. Oh, my God. And then, like, but even, like, him, like, sacrificing his kid, that's horrible. You know, I didn't feel it. Because it's just, like, not good, like, I don't know, performance or writing or whatever. And he's, like, hanging over the kid to the That to was the That was another wild scene. You gotta go, Caleb. You gotta, you gotta go. go <laughs> and then, yeah, Horrible, I was, like, really I was, bad. like, I was, like, E.T., could have taken some notes from E.T. Every time I see E.T. and Elliot says goodbye to Elliot, or E.T., I'm just, I'm the fucking... Yes, I look like yeah. I'm melting. Yeah. I'm like, this yeah. is the worst thing I've ever seen. Part you of know, that is I, like I, one of the greatest scores of all time, which this movie does not have. But you know, right, um, right. Yeah. I, I, I think <laughs> I feel like that the, this other movie, this movie, had a bad directing decision. Where a lot of those drama scenes, like the telephone scenes and the scene with like Caleb disappearing, I feel like he just asked them to improvise and didn't give them it enough direction. Like that, right? yeah. I feel like they were just right. pulling stuff out of their ass, and it's like they pulled something out of there. You know, it was yeah. something. It came right. out, and <laughs> yeah, then they put it, it on something. the screen. It propels the movie along, but yeah. was that the right thing? To do? I think he needed a little bit more uh, writing and a little bit more structure to kind of give yeah. them. The idea of where they of where they needed to go. So they, like, it really did, sounded like. <laughs> did you read the full Roger Ebert review? Yeah, I read it, and he actually it's very logical for him. Yeah. He has the same opinion as us, and for him, he's gave it a high rating because it's like because he has the opinion his highest rating. Yeah, because 100. of the effective because of the effectiveness of what this movie in was trying to achieve sure, yeah, for the type yeah, of movie yeah. that it was right. like a popcorn yeah, right, fun right, right. movie flick yeah. for him this movie did a really really good job at that which and for me too to also take into account that he's seeing all the other ones right so he's seeing absolutely at the same time you know right so he's seeing like you know the the, the day after tomorrow's the fucking you know the Deep Impact, those like that 90s, but Armageddon, and like, you know, it has like a foot in the door of, of those movies, you know? 
So right. I'm sure he was Absolutely. like, wow, this is much better than all the bad blockbuster schlock. Also, this uh, yeah. is 2009. Like, you know, blockbusters are a completely different time. You know, this was the first yeah. Avatar movie came out, like, later that year. We weren't right. in this, uh, in this um, you know, uh, reboot superhero culture that we're in today, you know. Um, so I'm sure it's just like a completely different perspective, you know. We could never right. have the same perspective that he had, especially as a movie-going audience, you know. Right. Uh, it, the, the other thing I think that's interesting about knowing that is, it's, I think, puts <laughs> I it in a strange title. position, uh, knowing with a one. Yeah, uh, uh, yeah. Um, But <laughs> knowing has a, a, a strange effect where if you don't watch many movies, I think this movie has more, it will come off as being worse than I think sure, it will be. Yeah, 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 For sure, me, yeah. some of the oddities about it, it makes me more excited yeah, because right. it's like, I haven't seen something like this before. But for someone mm-hmm. else who maybe yeah. hasn't seen many disaster movies, it's like, this is just a bad disaster movie. I right. wish I could just see a well-done disaster movie. But right. you know, for you and me, we've seen a lot of, this shit yeah, we've seen right. a lot of it right. so anything that's different it's like this is fun this is kind of exciting i know that this may be not what you were going for but you've created an interesting concoction yeah. that i was not I've, i have not uh garnered yeah. my sense of swords yet. i also i also like i enjoy this movie because i do enjoy like the older i get the less i like really almost like care about big budget movies almost where it's like yeah I do enjoy the blockbusters, but I, I, I recognize, like, what they're trying to be. And, like, to... They're just trying to... A lot of them are just trying to have fun, you know? Yeah. And the ones that I do appreciate when I do feel something, you know, this guy sucks, or Lucasong sucks, but Valerian is a fun-ass movie. That's a, right. But that was another movie that was critically panned. I'm not saying that that movie has, like, a great story or anything, but what I do feel is a vision, and I feel someone attempting to do something creative and fun. But you're right, because I I watch so many movies, and I recognize, like, I really hate it when, especially now, you have, like, reboot movies like Ghostbusters Afterlife or The Flash or these movies that are clearly made for community and commercialism and toys and just like no vision to even like really make a good movie. That's what I'm like, why would I indulge myself in that? That's not what I like about filmmaking. Even like fun big blockbuster films, it's hard to make a movie on this scale. And and it's fun to see, like, you know, somebody behind it. Like, someone is, you know, there's some vision behind it. Sure, you can, you know, in this movie, this vision's pretty dumb by the end. It's pretty, pretty silly. But at least there's something there, right? It's pretty risky. You know, the ending of the movie is pretty absurd and risky. Yeah. And I appreciate that, you know, rather than taking, like, the safe route, you know, and it doesn't. You know, it does right. and it doesn't. You know, so it's, <laughs> right. you know, it's weird. It's it's a, it's an interesting movie. I'm, I'm glad that I watched it because it is really. It also is an interesting relic of this time of this uh, era in, in late 2000s Hollywood blockbusters, right, right, which right, was right, right, right. Um, it's true. It's right before you know Iron Man had just come out. 
Yeah, it says right wow, before. Wow, that's really interesting. Yeah, right before all this was cavalcaded, you know, wow. the, what we're gonna call you know, the Cubs, like the superhero era, possibly right. the comic book movie era, uh, sure. that we're finally probably gonna get out here soon. Um, yeah, thank, but, thank uh, God. But on your point about bringing up a similar movie of Valera, and maybe this can be your ending ending point, but yeah. um, I saw a guy on Twitter again, another tweet, another helpful tweet. <laughs> a guy. Uh, a dude on Twitter. A dude on Twitter. But he was talking about he was talking about pieces that I've all heard separately, but he was talking combining it in how, you know, basically big blockbusters are made. Um right. namely namely Marvel. Because the big question I have is it's like I love comic book movies. I love stupid stories. Course, yeah, Why don't I like Marvel movies more? Right. Why do I why do they dislike them so much? Yeah. And this guy, I think, explained something about it. It's like, why does something like Knowing or Valerian resonate with me so much yeah, more? Right. And this other stuff doesn't. The, what he was talking about was he was bringing to attention to the way these films are made. And he was bringing the example of like these re- unnecessary CGI that we see examples of. It's like, why right. was that background shot? But he was explaining right. the way movies are made, which you know all this information, but it was still revelation. Probably you probably know all of this. The way these movies are made is that they're shot for coverage, for one, right? So you shoot as many angles as possible. For two, you use CGI so you can change anything that you want later on. If the executive doesn't like it, no problem. Let's put this change this thing in the background. If you don't like if you don't like the cutting, if you don't like the cutting about it, it's like, okay, we'll just switch to a a non, you know, non problematic close up to something. This is how and I'm realizing it's like this is why I hate TV, because TV is cut like this. It's it's like a lot of movies is cut like this. And it's what it is, is it's what you're talking about, is that it has no life to it. You just capture all of the safe shots yeah. and it has no dimension it's flat it's boring it's yeah. cardboard well, but something we, like this even so, though it's stupid it has a, an experience well, behind it it has a vision and also with some of those big blockbusters like especially Marvel that's why Listen to Possible is probably my favorite franchise around right yeah. now because they are just they're, doing they're committing practice. to shit not only they're committing this dude tried the motorcycle off a cliff Mm-hmm. And like, like, parachute, like, dude, what are you doing? You don't have to yeah. do this. You know why yeah. you doing it? Because you know, and Nolan is also like this. Why I like Nolan so much, and why I think Nolan is. I'm really happy that he's still around. because he's also part of this. Where he is like, he understands. And some people don't believe me, and I, I. That's why a lot of I like talking to you. Because you watch more movies. It's hard to talk yeah. to my friends who don't watch movies and try to have an argument about CGI and practical effects. Like, bro, you can tell when something's real. I'm telling you. And no one is part of this. No one is like, I think even if you can create something like the, you know, the, um, you know, the bombs in, in Dunkirk while they're, you know, on the beach. Sure, can you do that digitally? Sure, but I think the audience could really feel when something is actually happening, you know, yeah. and actually on screen. And what's so genius about Mission Impossible is that's part of the marketing, right? They show you these behind-the-scenes videos before the movie comes out, and Conqueror's actually driving a motorcycle off a fucking ramp, like off a fucking giant cliff and jumping off a motorcycle, and you know, like, so... They, I, I just think that you can feel it. And I'm not saying CGI is bad. I just think, like, Marvel, for example, it's just like they are using it as a crutch 
not a tool. There's something like Google, for example, shockingly, is a, very practical. But there's also a lot of CGI in that movie. But it's the way that they meld CGI and use it as a tool. One of my favorite movies in the last few years is Nope, right? And Nope, you know, that's not achievable. The, you know, the, the, the alien at the end, the, the, the boxer, right? But it looks so amazing, you know? Because they shoot it correctly, it's a tool. It's not like, for what you're saying, shoot in a blue fucking room. They're not shooting in blue rooms in Nope and Doom. They're actually out wherever it's out, Nope, but on a farm, and they're out in Jordan shooting Doom in real sand dunes. I mean, yeah. this is impossible. Part of what I love about blockbuster cinemas, cinema is traveling to these places like seeing an amazing car chase in fucking vienna and it's actually vienna like you actually see it's real it's not like you know a bad render or background of fucking like a city of rome you're like no they're actually there and it's like yeah transportive and i think that, that there's nothing replaceable of that you know like i think cgi environments could be cool like larry was really cool you know but that was so so fantastical that like it's, it works right because it's like this totally yeah you know three-dimensional world but like uh, marvel they recreate real places that fucking just fucking go there and don't be a pussy like just yeah fucking do it spend some money hire a filmmaker with like a vision i don't know and you know like they did it you know for decades, they're just lazy. That's just that's really what it comes down to. They're just lazy, right? And they're right. And making way too much shit. Way yeah, too much shit. and yeah. it just it, it yeah 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 yeah. It's a really really fascinating conversation because yeah. the point is not to say that practical effects are good and CGI is bad. We shouldn't use CGI. It's like that's not what yeah. we're saying. That's not the point about it because CGI has done incredible things. The question is why is it that practical effects feel better significantly right. in these situations when CGI don't? And we can point to examples of when CGI does work, like Lord of the Rings. Why does that totally, work yeah. so well for Please something else that, like there's that? There's a lot of practical stuff going on in that, too. Right. You know? I, think, I think the big thing is, I agree with CGI. you, is that I agree with you is that we can tell when it's real, but I would amend that to say it's not so much about telling whether it's like really happened in camera. It's yeah. about when the characters believe it's real mm -hmm. on screen. Yeah. The capture right. the camera captures that. When the people right. on set believe well, that the, the, the story you're telling is really happening, it's captured. You well, see it's it like a film. filmmaker, what's the best way to get your actors to do that? Right, which Actually sometimes you can, yeah. you can direct them in a way where if you're honest, you don't have a lot. You can right. get them into the world without having the real environment. Right. It's a lot fucking easier if you just have the environment yeah, there. Right. If you see Tom Cruise jump off the cliff, no acting necessary. But, only, but even that, like, even shooting the actors who, you know, for reaction shots, of watching that happen, like, literally watching that happen. Like, you get more of a... Easier for the actors to actually react to absolutely. what's happening. Absolutely. You know? So it's also like a practical, it's also like just like a, you know, a, a, as a director or as a filmmaker, it's like it seems like not the more fun way to do it. You know, yeah. like if I was a filmmaker, I don't want to fuck it. I think they're going to actually do that. Yeah, me too. stunt teams and try to like make something, you know, make something happen. It seems fun to me. Um, right. Yeah. Yeah. And it's, it's just it's sad the to thing... see the, the fun of filmmaking is kind of like, I don't know, like, it's it's not I, I, it's, it's kinda, because it's not 
it's too expensive to do it yeah, that right, way. It's so right. much more efficient to do it the other way, which is right. depressing. Which is honestly, it's like... Because, like, Ant-Man and the Wasp costs, like, $200 million. That movie looks like dog shit. So right. I don't know what it is. is it? Right, we're gonna, we're gonna We're going to reverse back into it, because with, yeah. with shit like Barbie, if Barbie and Oppenheimer are successful, right. we're just going to switch to that as being the way and to Barbie make money. It will flip up. like, you know, they're doing a lot of press about Barbie and how there's almost no CGI in that movie. And everything's going... You know, it's been taking inspiration from 50s musicals, and they have painted backdrops and, and sets and miniatures. And, like, what's fun about that is, like, yeah, like, Greta Gerwig is smart enough to know, like, yeah, making a movie about toys would be pretty fucking silly to, like, use CGI. Like, why don't we use actual physical things? Because we're making a movie about physical toys, right? Right. And so, um... And that, and and the big press about that is that Nolan did not use CGI at all for the movie. <laughs> Jesus. So he, uh, so he, we don't know how he did it. I haven't seen the movie yet, but there's going to be a nuclear bomb test in that movie. Did he drop a bomb and fill it? <laughs> like, I, like, he must have done something, you know? And he's talking about the same guy who worked on this about knowing is Jackson did fucking comprised of, of a bomb that could, like, create some, a radio, like, a, a, a wave and a shockwave that is similar to a nuclear bomb but not being nuclear, right? Which yeah. is uh, unbelievable, right? It's just fucking, I want to see that shit, you know? Yeah, and, that's like, pretty that's, crazy. Uh, that's cool. And, like, you know, as film nerds, you know, I, I, I love that, you know, like, just the engineering right. and something like that. You know? Right, right. Which that—that's a huge factor of it. Where it's like you can you can appreciate the art of CGI too, but it is significantly less exciting than the fun right. of the practical set experience. And the other thing, really, it's like I have no problem if you want to make your movie on a green screen and a blue screen. Yeah. Like, like I have no problem with that. Sure. Have at it if that's what you're interested in doing. The problem is, is that we have these movies that come out where it's like dead fish stapled on cardboard that are just like there. It's like, holy shit, this sucks, but also, obviously. But also, like, with things like knowing, like, comparing it to knowing, like, this was in 2009, and this was shot, you know, not a lot of, you know, obviously on location and, you know, on thing. And, yeah, there's a lot of CGI in this movie, but it's, like, done in a way that it's pretty... I mean, Alex Price is... He's a good visual director. I mean, he yeah. he ultimately did make a big CGI slop of a piece of garbage like 10 years later with Gods of Egypt, which is like right. entirely CGI, <laughs> one of the ugliest movies ever made. So I don't know what, maybe he got caught up in, in that. But before, he was making these really cool, like iRobot has really cool blending of CGI and, and practical effects, you know? And um, I just think it makes really it look s- real. But also, even like in the filmmaking sense, I could not, if I was shooting a movie in a blue room, I wouldn't know what I'm doing. That's not filmmaking to me. Filmmaking is kind of like this fun thing where you have a set, right? You have actors, like, all right, how are we going to shoot this? You know, or how are we going to, so you're able to like, with blue rooms and shit, it's like, you kind of have to be like, I don't know, there's a, it doesn't feel, like, as hands-on. It's just, like, the, the process of it, you know? Yeah. Which is, like, I think you can also feel that, you know, I think that the success in terms of Blue, blue Room green screen filmmaking has actually come out of more of uh, YouTube productions, to be honest. Yeah, like, the creativity sure, yeah. that we see in TikToks right. and stuff. It's um, not yeah, movie I, filmmaking, yeah. 
Yeah. It's a different brand type of filmmaking, but they have found a way to bring life to that right. process. Or I, fucking, I you think... Or Jim Carrey, you know, like, Ray Water, pretty awesome looking, you know, so it's yeah. like, it's but like, I, you I, guys I, I actually, do a couple right. I actually feel I don't like that movie as much, yeah. so I actually don't right. feel that way about. I don't think that that's success in terms of an all of an all CGI movie. But it's a great right. point. I mean, it's a it's a movie you can't it's, not talk about. But not to argue that that's it. way better than the the majority of you know in terms all CGI of like movies. in terms of practical execution yeah. and yeah. like the quality of it, absolutely yeah. undeniable. Yeah. Like yeah. it's such a high level of doing that that you can't you can't you, the, the 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 distinction from reality in terms of like emotionally like connecting with me in terms of a story right. i might yeah. have i have my disagreements but in terms of saying right. that doesn't feel real that's like right. no it feels real it looks well, real it's not only that it feels real it's just the way that he's suited these things it's like it's it feels more like a real environment that we're in rather than yeah. um that i i don't there is a lot of our in years that i've felt like this is a real environment that we're in you know right. like yeah. this is yeah. so yeah artificial looking and i'm sorry i'm obviously aware that it's all artificial because i'm not a fucking idiot i'm not like one of these people that's like i forgot i was watching a movie no i'm, <laughs> I'm not an idiot uh but like the but it's just the way that he's there's certain shots there's ways that um that movie feels to me it feels like a real place it feels like that they it's such a well-rendered world that makes right. me feel like that I'm there, you know? Right, but um, it's also funny because we have, like, now we're at the place where the film industry is just going, it's just like, okay, so you want to make animated films. That's cool. Just make that, an animated that, yeah, fucking film. Yeah, basically is an animated film, right? Yeah. Because that's what, that's what Avatar is. To me, it's basically, like, it's yeah. basically an animated film. Right. That's basically. fine. That's cool. Right. You have a few yeah. real people in there. That's cool. I have no right. problem with that. I well, love fine, animated like, films. like an animated <laughs> thing. It's just like... Why are we? Yeah, I just don't understand like why, like even like watching like clips from like The Flash or like how did they like let this in theaters? Like it looks <laughs> so bad. Like it looks so yeah. artificially bad. And it's like, are you? What is the fucking? Do not do not know what makes a movie good anymore. Like yeah. I'm serious. Like none of this is real looking. And none of that. It's not that it has to be real looking. It's like it just looks bad. Yeah. Right. There's nothing right. aesthetically pleasing about what I'm looking at. I'm not saying, right. like, Valerian, there's shots of that where I'm like, holy shit, and it's all CGI. I'm not saying, like, just CGI movies look bad. I'm just saying, like, there's a way to obviously do it, and there's a right. way to, like, shoot it properly. And, like, I just think, I just can't believe that they're letting some of these movies get, like, bad. I know, they look I know so bad. yeah. Like, I know that's it's, the thing it's, that I'm like, uh, it's crazy. I know because it seems it just seems so obvious that this just because it's it's the difference. I, the, I always think about it's when you say look real. It, for me, it's not about looking more yeah, realistic have to look like our real. world. Yeah, it's right. about feeling. Real <laughs> I know Pandora isn't real. Okay. Yeah. I recognize that Pandora isn't a real place, but yeah. <laughs> to the characters in the movie and to the. Um, the environments, the way that they're interacting with the environment. That's a big thing. The way that they're, like, all of these world movies, like, the actors are just like, they're not even interacting with fucking anything. They're just like, they're just standing, standing in there. front of it. And it's just yeah. like, bro, this is like nothing, filmmaking 101, dog shit. It's like not a dynamic shot, it's not an interesting looking shot. It's like, yeah, dude, absolutely. have we just forgotten everything that makes movies cool? Like, it's just like, bro, like, what? 
what are we doing here? Like, it's just right. so, like, transparently just, like, get the line out, put it out. You know, just, yeah. just put, get the line out. We just got to tell this generic-ass story and get it to the public and eat it up, you know, apparently. I know. So I know. It's I, just I, like, I, I, that's why, like, <laughs> even, like, something walking, like, knowing. Like, knowing this movie was pegged. And we say, like, this movie isn't great. But the thing is, I think with our history, especially us, who grew up in the 2010s, right, or, or grew up, uh, were in college in the 2010s, and, and like, um, really were, like, engaging in bands in the 2010s, yeah. like, watching something like this, we're like, man, this is so much more dynamic than so creative. much more yeah. Yeah, box office, you know, blockbusters today. And, you know, a lot of this is stupid. Well, that's like that's like saying something, right? Where it's yeah. like even something like knowing that it's like at the time, was like this is dog shit. You know, people did not like this. But now it's like looking back and like looking at things that are, you know, handcrafted is really what it is. You're like, well, this is the feel a vision behind it. You know, right, right, um, right. Which is really, yeah. really interesting. Which would be, it'd be a great case study for anyone listening out there. It'd be really interesting. Do you feel differently? Does it, does knowing feel differently than like a Marvel movie? Yeah. Is it just us? Why does it, they, I, they feel so different to me. Uh, that's a, that's yeah. a really interesting thing. Very they're similar also, They're also, goals. you know, Marvel, I will give Marvel for the benefit of the doubt, but they, they do have a hard challenge of like, because they're getting into these like absurd, like multiverse, like crazy they're writing themselves into all kinds of holes. That's true. Yeah. I guess you're right. It's just, it's, just, it's just like you don't have to do all this shit, I guess. You know, like when yeah. you, can, you can write yourself, write it in a way where, you know, like, like still some of my favorite comic book movies are those first three Spider-Man movies, you know, Sam Raimi made. And a lot of that is practical, and it's just as exciting as, you know, something like, you know, you know, like a, a Endgame, you know. It's just 100%. like you can, you just have to, it's about the, story that you're telling you don't have to tell this wormhole story and you know like you know it, it doesn't have to be this like insane cgi like don't write yourself in a corner where you have to create the whole environment digitally because it's impossible to create it you know otherwise you know yeah um, yeah yeah and that's, like, that's definitely i think a challenge i feel like if i'm putting like correct producer hat marvel it's like yeah i mean how else do we make these movies now, though? I mean, like, it's kind of like, like, you could, but it's like, they've gotten so far that, like, so, like, making a movie with, like, almost, like, zero CGI or one, it's, like, more effort, but two, it's, like, uh, not saying that CGI artists are amazing. It's just, like, on the day, on set, there's more, it's more of an effort to, to pull off, like, a, a practical action scene, you know? Absolutely. And, like, you know, they, I'm not saying, not all our movies are like that. They're like, Winter Soldier has, like, awesome practical action in it. And, like, awesome practical stunts in it. And, you know, even the first Iron Man, like, you look at the first Iron Man, you're like, this was directed by a person. Like, it doesn't feel like directed by a robot. Like, it feels like, right. you know, even the lighting, dude, like, the lighting is, like, more cinematic looking. Like, you know, instead of this flat, lighting that's just so like not interesting to look at you know it's just it's interesting that you can compare older world movies to now it's like they've evolved to kind of this just like conveyor belt you know and right. but what else do you do that's what's tough you know 
Um, but I'm at the point now where I don't even, I don't even really care. It's not like I'm like, make Marvel movies better. Like, you can't, you, I don't, you can't, you, you can't, I don't really, let's move on, you know, let's try to yeah. like move on to something, you know. Yeah, we're just kind of um, stuck sure, in a I, rut I with want this. better movies, obviously, but like, I'm not like so bummed out that moral movies aren't what they used to be. Right, right, I, right. I had my, my, my fun when I was a kid, you know, and I grew up with movies that I liked. And, um, it's also like a weird thing, too, because I'm sure that there are so many kids that grew up today, like, loving, you know, Stock of Shags and you know, stuff like that you know so, be, well th- that um, would be the real question will there yeah. be because that's, yeah, that's are they are they compelling enough even for kids i think kids are smarter than we let them on to they are, i they think are that smarter, they yeah. um so but it could be maybe that this stuff will maybe it is just all nostalgia that we're talking about right. but it'll be curious in 10 years will kids care about this shit that we think sucks i don't know yeah. i don't know time time will know. tell that's the only way know. that we'll that we'll have to see but We'll yeah. move on but but that that knowing what a that was a really interesting discussion to get into that that enlightened yeah. me on a couple things about how these things work and why i feel certain ways about certain yeah. things but i i really love that movie i'm excited to buy a physical copy of that and rewatch it a lot i really like watching that, that way? movie yeah i really yeah, like it's watching it dude. it's definitely entertaining i don't know if i would like i don't know if it got to the level of like i would I mean, I'll definitely, like, show this to people. Like, there's definitely, like... I know, like, what, like Justin would fucking love this movie. It's so goofy and that's, silly that, and that, That's the fun. reason I would want a Blu-ray of it, so you can just, like, for pop sure. that up yeah. whenever you would want to. Because it'd be and perfect I'm not saying, for, like... like I, I would enjoy this to say something like why, like... Excuse me, I'm here, I'm going to contradict everything I'm going to say, but... <laughs> I find Aquaman just a hell of a time. I yeah. find it so stupid and such a goofy Kind of a time. similar experience. For sure. Uh, I'm not out here two. being like Aquaman's a, a high art. I'm just saying that it's such what a goofy a Saturday morning fun time. You know, and I've had so, like, Aquaman, I've had more fun with Aquaman than the majority of post-ending uh, Marvel movies. Like, I just, yeah. I just think James Wan, I just love the tone of it. I love how like coming to supporting it like it's it's i just like that and i get why people don't i get why people are like this is so corny but like all of this is corny i mean like what? yeah like it's like yeah it's stupid to do it in tights you can talk a fish this is what it should be <laughs> what do you want the dark night of aquaman movies go fuck yourself like what are you talking about like I just like I. That's exactly what I want out of a movie like that. I want an Aquaman to ride a giant crab and like, like shoot people off the giant crab with like sharks with fucking laser beams on their head. Yeah, that's what. Yeah. I'm, that's what. I, and seahorses. That's what I'm talking about. Yeah, and people riding seahorses with like trying like that's hilarious. Like so goofy. Um, but yeah, I mean, I can totally see myself like rewatching this movie. At some point, for sure. Like, yeah. it's, it's definitely a funny, it's a fun time. It's also on Max. Um, so if you've gotten this far and you're like, oh, I'll check out Melvin. I'm intrigued. <laughs> check it out on Max. Uh, yeah, it's on Max. Um, otherwise known as HBO Max. We don't call it that anymore, though. Yeah. It's just Max to yeah. me. Uh, it's, not, it's not HBO Max anymore. Oh, um, all right, are we ready for the, ready for the roulette? 
Oh, yeah, yeah. What's up next? Okay. The Shuffle has given me... The first one is The Frighteners by Peter Jackson. Okay. Oh, yeah, yeah. Uh, the next one is Big Boss, which is an old kung fu movie, I think. Okay. I don't... <laughs> I think a friend boss. recommended this to me. Big Boss, baby. One Cut of the Dead, which is oh, really yeah, interesting. Oh, yeah, that's that Chinese zombie yes. movie, yeah. Uh, have you, have you seen that? No, I'll call our list here, I think. And then The Deer Hunter. Oh, yeah. yeah. Have you Is seen that? Deer Hunter? No. Yeah, that's a, that's a, uh... I think that's also on our list. I, 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 uh, I watched that years ago. Uh, yeah, that's a classic, uh, war movie. Um, that's a really intense set in Pittsburgh half of it. Um, pretty Okay. Early, like, Robert Niro and, uh... Christopher Walken, uh, what a what an Oscar for that movie. Um, there's an insane, there's a really, 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 really famous scene in that movie that it, um, involves Russian roulette that is really intense and crazy. Um, uh, I'm sold. Let's do that one. No, no need Deer to. Hunter? Let's do Deer Hunter. Okay, cool. cool. Deer I haven't Hunter. seen it. I don't know yeah. when it will come up again. It's on my yeah. list for a reason, probably. Yeah, yeah Let's talk about it's a Seven Goose classic. Um, I like classics, especially classics yeah. I haven't seen. I like those. Those are usually good. Yeah, yeah. Maybe that will clean our palate after three kind of weird goofy, ones. Goofy, goofy <laughs> sci-fi movies. Now we're they're back all into high all... art. <laughs> yeah, yeah, they're all. <laughs> they're they're all like. Science fiction movies, the last three. That's well, true. I just wonder, I don't know if you call it a science fiction movie. I think uh, it's like a, it's possible, alien sci fi horror. It's adjacent. I think, it's adjacent. It could like, it could like bleed into that genre. Yeah, I would accept that. For sure. All right. Dear All right. Hunter, that was fun. Uh, Gear Hunter, uh, going. <laughs> um, see you guys on the next one. Bye bye. Get out of here. Bye.